Welcome to the Black Duck Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Wilkins. I'm excited to have you join me as I speak with a fascinating collection of folks, all of whom have in common that they've made a way for themselves by finding an intersection between thoughtful consideration and the tactile work of getting their hands dirty. This is an examination of intention, capability, and craft. It's where philosophy meets the blue-collar work ethic and where I find real value. The Black Duck Revival Podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Hunters of Color. Hunters of Color is a 501c3 nonprofit. They're the only nationwide hunting nonprofit led by BIPOC for BIPOC. They're working on increasing black, indigenous, and other peoples of color participation in hunting for the sake of conservation, food sovereignty, and to preserve our ancestral traditions. And like I told y'all, the last couple of episodes, they've got a really cool raffle going on that you need to take advantage of really soon because I believe the drawing will be held on March 18th. Hunters of Color and the Oregon chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers is proud to announce that they'll be donating 100% of the proceeds of this raffle to benefit hunters in Oregon. It'll be a three-day guided bull elk rifle hunt for one hunter on the 33,000-acre Zumwalt Prairie Preserve in Northeast Oregon during the fall 2023 season. This includes lodging on location at the preserve. The hunter may bring up to two non-hunting guests. It's entirely on foot, and hunters should be in good physical condition. The property contains steep slopes and can be physically challenging to hunt. Recently, hunter success rates have been close to 100% with world-class bulls for this tag. Look, this is a great deal. Tickets are $25, or you can get five for $100. They're only going to sell a total of 2,500 tickets. This is a really coveted tag. I think there's only like six of them every year. Two of them go to the general population there in Oregon, and four of them are donated to nonprofit organizations to raise money for conservation. And look, normally this is a tag that can go from 40000 all the way up to $90,000. So you could pay 25 bucks and get a hell of a bull elk hunt with success rates hovering around that 100% mark, which is about as good a rate as you can get uh, when you're, you're dealing with the, the wilds and hunting. So if you're interested in checking that raffle out, you can just go to the Hunters of Color Instagram page and follow the link there in their bio. Hey folks, welcome back to the podcast. This week I'm joined by Evan Leroy of Austin, Texas. Evan is one of the founders of Leroy and Lewis. That's New School Barbecue uh, in Austin, Texas. You know, simply put, Evan is one of the most influential barbecue chefs cooking in America today. Absolutely one of the uh, kind of cutting edge chefs and cooks there in Austin, Texas, uh, and contributing to that whole scene and that kind of culinary legacy. I met him when he came up uh, with mutual friend Bradley Robinson of Chud's Barbecue, and we went catfishing for a few days, and I was impressed not just by his his culinary know-how, but his uh, his approach to the, the business of, of running a restaurant, and 
uh, and that goes that goes deep into like how things are prepared. It's about where the food's coming from. And I think something gets overlooked a lot, which is really important to Evan. And I don't know if we talked about it that much on the podcast, but we, I, me and him definitely talked about it was like the working atmosphere for the people that work there at the business that are employed by Leroy and Lewis. Like it's <clears throat> this idea of like a family environment is a, is a cliche, right? And it, most of the time it's a lie, but like these folks, uh, work together and they they hang out and socialize together and they help each other with their independent projects and they like blossom and grow and move on to to other things uh, and it's really important for that to be the way that the business is run to Evan and also he makes himself available to you know people that just want to come in and see the process uh, and ask questions about you know how he's put his business together. Uh, like maybe they're in, maybe they're in Pittsburgh and they want to put a restaurant together and he's willing to like contribute to the culture of food and that, that culinary legacy. And man, I just, I love everything about the way he's approaching his business and his mindset and his insistence on really good quality that is always there and is being innovative and doesn't sit back and rest on, on his laurels, uh, and become complacent, which is, I mean, it's like the, that's the death of a great spot to eat. You know, like a place gets a bunch of attention and then they they mismanage how to ramp up production or they, they lose sight a little bit of what maybe uh, was the impetus to start uh, that creative process. And, you know, in the beginning and and man, then you go back a year later and it just is a disappointment. Uh, and I can definitely say like having eaten there last year and then like I drove into Austin straight to Leroy and Lewis. Uh, I got a cheeseburger. I got uh, pork hash and rice and they were nice enough to give me a piece of cheesecake for my birthday. And man, it was all like just fantastic and something to think about, uh, f you know, until the next time I come and uh, can enjoy it. So anyway, in a podcast about craft and people paving their own way. Uh, and creativity. Uh, I can't think of anyone better to talk to for the next hour or so uh, than Evan Leroy of Leroy and Lewis, Austin, Texas. Hey folks, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, today I'm making a, or this evening rather, I'm making just like a brief stop overnight in Austin, Texas on my way uh, to meet up with uh, Jesse Griffiths and Chef Jean-Paul and Ben O'Brien and we're gonna chase turkeys for the next four or five days down in South Texas and since I was gonna be here just for uh, an overnight stop I had to contact one Evan Leroy of Leroy and Lewis fame uh, barbecue steward and innovator uh, Fried food officiator. <laughs> but yeah, man, big, uh, big time important fella uh, when it comes to American barbecue in these times. Uh, and man, I just went over there and ate. And again, absolutely one of the best burgers in America. Thank you. Uh, your staff was very kind and gave me a piece of uh, smoked cheesecake. Uh, it had like apple, Those are all very flattering words. <laughs> apple butter, <laughs> yeah, and like a little cheese crisp, crisp real nice, nice cheese. play with like the, yeah. you know, like a East 
yeah. East Coast apple pie. Uh, I'm glad you had a good experience. Thanks for having me here, dude. Ooh, I want to. So first thing I want to talk about before we'll get in on, you know, all the like, where did you learn to barbecue and that stuff? But uh, first of all, I have to say, if when you guys come back with turkeys or any pieces of turkey, uh, let me know. I can, you know, happy to smoke some for you guys. Ooh. Uh yeah, dude, I'm I'm way into that man. Seems like the only type of skill missing from that collection of people is just a, is a pitmaster. You know, there's a chud box there. Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, and an offset, right? Uh, there is an offset because we've cooked there is, on it there. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but dude, I want to talk about the hash. That's what I was I was about yeah. to try and thought, man. So poor hash. Uh, like personal favorite. You know, kind of like death row meal of mine is like yeah. rice and gravy, right? So good. Uh, and I'm down with it, like in really any iteration of it. Uh, but I'm I'm probably I'm gonna keep it. I'm I'm gonna refer to this as like, like look everything, kind of stew on top of rice, right? Yeah. Like jollof or curry. I mean, all that stuff is amazing. But I'm talking about just like southern you know liquefying the stuff that's on the pan yes and getting that on on some rice and making a fond. meal out of it right yes the, something the fond, that's yes. foundational like flavor wise about it but there's not like a lot of substance to it so you have to add other things to it to make it you know kind of stretch it out yeah liquefy and it put it dude, over the rice. green onions like it really i mean that's just not like pretty right like that adds a textural oh, yeah. component to it man uh, but dude, that's the kind of stuff like food wise, that's the kind of stuff that turns me on. Right. Because it's, it's like playing, it's an homage. So this, this is how I interpret it anyway. Right. So like, it's an homage to like uh, food that is, you know, very meaningful and important to certain communities. Right. In America. Mm-hmm. Uh, also just like, I would imagine like bottom line running a restaurant, man, that's a way Absolutely. to, that's Absolutely. a way to use up all the bits and pieces, right? That's where it comes uh, from. It's a completely reused dish. So it's a bunch of, you know, we cook the whole hogs. We actually break them down into pieces from Lancito. They're mm-hmm. raised at the ranch that you're going to yeah. hunt at. Uh, and we break them down into different shoulder pieces and middle pieces and smoke them over direct coals. We burn the coals down in our fire in the, in the firebox of our offset smoker Live charcoal, we shovel it up right underneath so the smoke comes from the juices and the fat dripping down on them. And then we pick all the meat off. And then the stuff that got a little too crispy, it's not burnt, but we just don't want to fold it into our nice, like, fluffy, delicious, pulled whole hog meat. We mm-hmm. just, you know, it's a little too crispy. It's like you might, like, like gnaw on it and chew on it and kind of pull it out of your mouth. So we take that and we take all the bones from the hog and make a stock out of it. And we puree all those crispy pieces of meat into that stock, along with some cooked rice, and then just like mustard, hot sauce, vinegar. That's it. Oh, there's you puree rice up into the hash? Yeah. Really? That's kind of what thickens it up. That and the pieces of meat both thicken it up. Man, that's, yeah, that's it's really brilliant, man. Uh, and, it, you know, it's, again, man, it's like, it's not reinventing the wheel, right? And it makes sense on all these practical levels, man. But putting that on a menu as one of your standard sides, uh, I mean, that's so, it, it just speaks volumes, right? It's like, it's not Bush's Baked Beans, right? Yeah. Well, uh, it's it's a Carolina barbecue side. We 
the we started doing it because we saw people like Ellie Moss and Brian Furman doing it um, from Buxton Hall previously and uh, Beast Cracklin, and their hash is awesome. Uh, and we fell in love with it when we met them at different events and trying it there. And we were like, oh, well, we have this now. We have the ability to cook hogs and we have all the stuff to make this. So why don't we just do that? It's essentially free money because yeah. we put yeah. <laughs> we put it over rice and any rice we have left over goes into the hash up, that yeah. then goes over the <laughs> other rice. It's like, a hundred, like I said, 100% reuse except for like the mustard and everything else. You know, even the bones that we pick out would have just gone into the trash but that you know make a stock with them Uh, yeah man but it's also like you know it's like that idea of like thousand year old soup right yeah uh like hank shaw who's been on the podcast uh like really influential wild game cook yeah you know he's he whenever he braises venison he uses like the same master stock right yeah it's like in a quart and he freezes it and then he just keeps doing it man and it just gets like deeper and like weirder and it, you know what happens too man is those flavors get they get weird in a way that's like good and comforting and works but you know like it's a change that's almost like imperceptible over time you just like you know like have you ever had like really good balsamic that's oh like yeah super aged and syrupy aged. oh yeah you know it's just like, it's just t- the time and the effort is the ingredient. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. I mean, specifically with the hash, also exactly like you said, it's an, you know, it's it's an economic thing. And then us being kind of what I describe as like a new American version of barbecue. Uh, it comes from just other barbecue traditions, right? So we have Texas barbecue tradition with the beef cheeks, with the brisket, with that kind of stuff. And then we have also the south, you know, southeastern United States barbecue tradition with the whole hog and with the hash mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff too. Uh, so it fits in in multiple ways. Yeah, man. But it, I'm, I'm, I don't want to beat this dead horse, man, but it just like says something, you know. It's, uh, you know, it's like if you had, if you, you went to a restaurant, they just had like a stone soup, right? Yeah. And it's like the same sort of thing, right? Something very simple. Uh, and you, because you're also saying that like, look, these simple ingredients are high quality enough that I exactly. can present them to you. And the cookery on it is yeah. ex- executed well. I, I think barbecue in general is, a, and the way that we do it specifically is a fine line between like, you know, presenting something that, maybe looks uh, like can look a little sloppy, but in a neat way mm-hmm. or something that is like, you know, looks a little like gruel or looks a little like slop, but it actually is like hiding these just intense, delicious flavors. Well, it's intentional, right? Like, yeah. you know, people, you can get away with a multitude of sins, you know, yeah. like <laughs> if, if it's intentional and folks know you meant to do yeah. it. Uh, like if you, if we just put sides on our plate and meat without like the bread and without all the garnish, it doesn't look good. Like it's just brown on brown on brown. Yeah. yeah. But like the Frito pie and the hash and like the pile of barbacoa and the pile of hog with everything on it, with the sauces, with the pickles and jalapenos and kimchi mm. and like all the garnishes and beautiful stuff on there. It looks great. Yeah. Yeah. And it's man, it's, it's that's man. That's like some the kimchi thing. 
It was like everyone's doing kimchi now, and I'm kind of just getting into like nerdy food stuff, but like everyone's doing kimchi now, but you're not you're not strong arming it into it. Like it makes absolute sense, and not just because of like references to Korean barbecue, just mm-hmm. the I, Carolina, the idea of that vinegar yeah. to help cut that 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 fat like that mouth coat right absolutely uh, and then that idea of uh you know that uh the kind of effervescence of like mm-hmm. fermentation right oh, yeah. like that you start building these like these layers and you're not sure why it's different but it's because of that it's like you know it just adds it's just it functions like a pickle it just adds so much more yeah uh, when I was living and working in New York at this barbecue place called Hill Country, one of the guys who worked there was Korean. He brought in his mom's kimchi. We put it on a brisket sandwich, and that was a light bulb moment. It was just like, why don't we just serve this along with the rest of the lineup of the pickles? And why aren't there other pickled vegetables here? And he, like, you know, kind of led me down that kind of path of questioning that eventually, you know, at the same time I'm thinking to myself, why don't we cook other cuts and why don't we use other flavor profiles and all that stuff kind of became what we call new school barbecue now, which is like focus on sourcing specifically from Texas, you know, well taken care of animals and then just trying to kind of maintain the style of barbecue and the service style and keep it uh, a little bit grounded, but also just different enough. Yeah, dude, that's the best stuff. You know, it's like something that's, man, there is, it is coming down out there. Yeah. Uh, man, you've got something that's proven the test of, been proven through the test of time, right? But it's, it's still like a living, yeah, like growing thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, is that hail? Dude, that is gnarly. Uh, yeah, that's legit, dude. A little bit of hail. <laughs> uh, yeah, these turkeys are going to be gobbling in the morning. <laughs> so, uh, so, have you heard this? This Have you heard this? Uh, I don't know what you call it. Uh, uh, some TikTok meme. I guess you call it a meme. Uh, that, like... You know, when men get to 38, they either get really into World War II or really into barbecue. Yeah, yeah. It's like choose your personality, and it's yeah. like a golf club, a grill spatula, like something else. Yeah. And, you know, I've kind of like... Those are all my personality, by the way. <laughs> I've kind of been going through, like, some yeah. waves of it. Like, last year, like, working up to turkey season, I was doing this remodel job, and I was just listening to these, uh, these biographies of, like, all these, like... Uh, like a lot of uh, people that were in World War Two, or but like yeah. just trying to understand it, like what led to World War Two, right? And the different sides and it's interesting. It, I found myself listening yeah. to books about Genghis Khan. It's actually Genghis Khan, and <laughs> like I've, I was watching this documentary. This is fascinating, by the way, uh, about like partition in India and Pakistan. Uh, when they like drew that border yeah. and this specific train that goes across that border and the people that boarded every day and you know work and live back and forth and the p- people that it carries and how it kind of div- divided like this huge mass of people and my wife walks in she's like what are you watching and I was like this thing about trains in India and she's like that sounds so boring yeah, yeah, <laughs> but i was like yeah. you don't get it it just has everything it's like socioeconomic like it's so interesting 
Yeah, man. I, oh, God. I, yeah. Too many ruminations of yeah. mid-age. But, yeah, I, I wonder what that is. Uh, I can tell you, like, my interest in barbecue, uh, you know, it just it, it comes out of I'm, – I'm into – I'm into deceivingly simple foods, right? Yeah. Shit that takes a lifetime to get right, you know, mm-hmm. a gumbo or a sauce or whatever it is. Like, and you're still making like kick-ass versions of it the whole time. Yeah. But it, you're always trying to find that thing that you probably can't ever really find, right? Uh, and like when I when I uh, when I realized that, like the idea of like direct that direct heat method, right? Like yeah, that, so that good. pit style, right? Where you're actually getting the meats being flavored by the by the vaporization, vaporizing of yeah. like the fat, right? Like that's becoming yeah. aerosolized, right? And then settling on the skin. And man, it really I like went down a rabbit hole with it, right? And then when you and Bradley uh from Chud's Barbecue came up there, uh I really man, I was not really hip at all to like the offset stuff. Yeah. Uh and then like Shit, probably like six months later, like a, like up in North Carolina, like building this offset with my yeah. buddy Thomas. Uh, and I've been able to do some. I, man, I have not. That thing is so big, and it's up at the lodge, so like it gets used a whole bunch, like during certain times of the year. So I, I'm still not r- where I want to be with it, but uh, man, it's been like making jerky fantastic. Yes, doing lots of like cures on legs and thighs from yeah. birds uh and like doing tasso cures, cures on them and, yeah yeah and raccoons man i'll tell you what man mm. the raccoons is where it really i think it's it's uh really uh changed some people's minds on some stuff man and it looks cool i mean it looks it looks gnarly like you open it up and i have a bunch of sweet potatoes on there right? yeah just like smoking and then like a coon all splayed out yeah uh and i always like leave the tail on it so it yeah it just looks a little a little more yeesh it's kind of funny that we that uh you know hunting and outdoors is your job and barbecues your hobby and then for me it's the it's kind of like the opposite because mm. <laughs> cause barbecue is my job and then trying to get to the outdoors trying to kind of seek out that food at its most or you know at its origination point at the source that's kind of like my entry into it yeah 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 um it was and, good overlay man and look yeah. again dude another relationship in my life uh that has come through knowing jesse griffiths man great uh, guy dude really good incredible dude. chef really really good dude man you know what dude he's like What's fun about him, man, is that dude, he was, he's like so unassuming, right? And like came yeah. up and we were like fishing and just like immediately I was like, this dude's just so rad, right? Just <laughs> so cool. And then you realize that like down here, man, this like he's a he's like a beacon for people, right? Like he like really has had a lot to yeah. do with the culinary scene in, in Austin. Big time. Which means that like he's a really influential force in American food extremely extremely he is uh yeah he's one of the few people that i just like look to when i'm just like well i don't know what's this guy doing you know what's yeah, what's, yeah. what's he doing next that's probably what's going to be interesting and what other people are going to be doing too dude he's yeah so smart man i've been going down a tamale rabbit hole i mean same, i just same. i just did a tamale uh 
a bear tamale demonstration. Did you, uh, and you made the masa with bear grease? Yeah. Yes. And then, it's probably uh, amazing. Dude, they were they were quite tasty, man. I did a bunch of like uh just I did Nestle Toll House cookies, but just swapped out the yeah. butter for bear grease and then did a bunch of tamales and man, it was like a bunch. It was it was like hundred and forty cookies and Whoa. I don't know, probably about the same on tamales, but like a bunch of people got to try it. Yeah. But yeah, man, just I was I was reading in uh in one of just in Jesse's book, I think it's a hog book, he's talking about making tamales, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just like a a thing he does like this is a texan right and like this is a thing they do with leftover i've done it in my family every year since i was born is it like a holiday thing it's a holiday thing it is a it is our family tradition it's mm-hmm. been passed down from you know me my mother my grandmother her mother and then you know before that who knows but uh yeah we make them every year and now we make them at the food truck too uh your family recipe well i mean this is also part of what traditions are and what a family recipe is right it's like you take something you take and you know change it as to your own generation Mm -hmm. even if it's just a little bit even if it is just like you know this thing got slightly modernized and it's a different type of flour it's a different type of x or it's a different type of y uh so you know the recipe that my grandmother hand wrote that my mom still has is not that good of a recipe. <laughs> so <laughs> it's got Dude, like, you know, it has that, like yeah. Crisco in it and there's not a lot of salt in it. Yeah. Um, they use fresh masa, uh, which is good. Um, but you know, when we make them for the truck, it's really, you know, we're trying to use all this like fat that we have. So we mm-hmm. kind of bind it up with, uh, some dry masa and some stock and then stuff full of barbecue and those are our tamales the ones that i you know when we when i have made them just with like friends and stuff at christmas time i like to mix up the flavors and do a lot of different stuff with the masa and then when you my put mom it, you put does it stock it, in the in the masa yeah okay the pork ones get like pork fat and pork stock yeah 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 i mean that's of course it makes total sense i can't yeah. i've just been putting water i can't believe it yeah and then um when my mom does it she makes the masa similarly to how my grandmother did it but she at like my grandmother also like had kidney problems so at a, there was a point where she just stopped using salt so she <laughs> didn't have any salt in her recipe yeah, yeah. so i was like mom you gotta put like a little bit of seasoning in this stuff like we can't just like hold this up as our tradition and just have it be plainly not good like we have to make it good <laughs> so she put salt in it um yeah that's our thing and i would like to eventually I want to make it something bigger. I want to spin it off into its own business. I want to do CPG stuff with it. I think there's room for like uh, interesting barbecue tamales. I think we can sell them online. Totally. Half dozens, dozens. Totally. We really lean into that. So, yeah. Yeah, dude. uh, I've I've done. So we did. We did bear, obviously, right? Started with ducks. Did speckled belly geese. Did a sandhill cranes. Yeah. We came down here and got some cranes and cooked up the legs and thighs from those suckers. Uh, yeah, uh, feral hog. I think that might be. Oh no, turkey. You made tamales with all those? Yeah. Holy shit! I just, I, dude, I've just been like, make oh a batch of tamales. God. We eat a bunch. I give some to some friends, and then I do another batch. And I just, you know, like the yeah. first batch was cool, but it yeah. was, it was too much masa. Right? Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. yeah. 
I started uh, I started getting the sauce, like realizing I needed more sauce than I yeah. thought I did, right, to keep it moist. And then I started adding a lot more fat than mm-hmm. the recipe I had started using for, using, called for. And then, so at this Black Bear Bonanza, uh, a lovely lady came up to me, and uh, I'm assuming, because we were talking about tamales, masa tamales, I'm assuming she's yeah. of Mexican descent. But uh, she, she's a, it was really, it was actually kind of embarrassing. She like wanted to take a selfie with me, right? Yeah. She was like, had eaten like half the tamale. And I was like, what'd you think, man? And she was like, it was good. And I was like, oh no, man. Like she got something to say about it. I was like, dude, no, tell me how I can make it better. Yeah. Right. And her comment was that when her family makes it, so then, you know, you blend up like all your guajillo peppers and yeah. all that stuff you've rehydrated. Right. And you're blending that up. She says that her family sieves it through cheesecloth. Yeah. And gets like all the skin. I wasn't doing that. I was like leaving the. I, I had them deseeded, but I. You know, it was still pulpy, right? I. You know, I've heard. I don't like to strain it. I don't like to strain it. I think it's an annoying extra step. We don't ever strain. And I'd never strain like a red chili sauce. Really? I don't even empty all the seeds out. You know, like. I do t- try to dry toast them, though. That definitely increases the flavor. Um, oh, wait, wait. You, the peppers before you rehydrate them? Yeah. Really? A little dry toast. If you can do them on a griddle, you can do them in the oven very quickly. Mm-hmm. But it'll make them slightly malleable and bring out... It's just like dry toasting a spice. Yeah. So, yeah. Hmm. See, man, this is a good tamale deep dive, man. Dude, I'll uh, go all night on tamales. So, so you know, but that's what's... So, that's interesting, man, because... Uh, you know, I was very inclined. I said, okay, I, I told Linda, I was like, I'll do that next time. I'll, I'll do a better job for yeah. you. Yeah. Right? Uh, but then you're here, man, and I respect your opinion very much, and you're saying you think it's unnecessary, huh? Is this, some, is this like a tamale say, debate? I think it's more just like a Mexican food debate. Like, some people say it makes, like, the seeds and skin and stuff will make uh, your sauce bitter, but I haven't found that. If you just balance it, you know, it's not mm-hmm. going to be bitter. Um, but also, I just haven't found any bitterness in it. Yeah. And it also depends on what your use for it is. I don't know. If you want like a more of a cleary, a clear brothy kind of soup, I would strain it. If I am just kind of kind of make a bunch of tamales with it, you know, I'm probably not going to go through the time to strain it. Hmm. If I'm making a salsa that I want some texture to, yeah. I'm not going to strain it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm glad to know there's a debate around it. Yeah. Uh Man, what do you think? So I kind of was alluding to it, man. But what do you think the what do you think the allure of barbecue is, right? Because it's like it's definitely, uh, you know, what you would say it's having a renaissance. Like it's becoming popular, right? Like people spend yeah, people spend a lot popular. of money on it as like Absolutely. a hobby and uh and like I wasn't even really aware of like the competition stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, and yeah, man, people like get real serious about it, and they spend a lot of money on their equipment and trying to get the best uh, yeah. quality products. And 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 man, dude, they get. I mean, people really dedicate themselves to this as a as they a do. craft. They do in a lot of different ways too. It's it's varied. You know, the style of barbecue that we cook is very different from competition barbecue. It's very different from Franklin, Valentina's, Terry Black's. Like every single place is pretty different but the thing that makes barbecue like 
that you know makes it really interesting that makes people want to do it a lot meat is craveable right meat itself is just like really good just all yeah. kinds of meat it's really yeah. good beef pork chicken lamb all kinds of wild game it's all delicious and there's something about manipulating the fire that's also really primal and kind of combining those two things just i feel like awakens something in you that you just like feel like a kind of like a just something coursing through your veins yeah, yeah. um but it's also this kind of there are like certain tent pole things there's the brisket and there's the ribs and there's the chicken and there's the sausage and it's like you have these very comparable you know things it's not a, it's not very varied also at the same time because a lot of those all those places that i named including us do serve brisket so people can go and say all right well i'm going to judge this place based on their brisket. you do serve brisket on saturday and sunday yeah oh okay um so people are like i'm gonna go and judge this place based on their brisket and that's gonna be the measuring stick uh for me um and i've never liked that debate because that forces the in- we want the industry to grow and that forces the entire industry to buy only select cuts of meat and you know that is never that's not sustainable by any measure mm-hmm. um so i've we've always wanted to just be like all right change the conversation it's not just about how's the brisket it's like where does the meat come from that's what we always wanted to say with our food, with our restaurant, with our food truck. Oh man, dude, I'm 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 sitting here and like thinking of specific items on the menu, like, and like I was very complimentary earlier, man, and I mean, so in, if you haven't Googled them yet, which is I'm glad that when I met you and Bradley, I hadn't Googled you because I would have been intimidated to cook for you, but <laughs> like I mean, this is. Like nationally, probably at this point, internationally known yeah. barbecue, right? Maybe. Uh, uh, you said you're getting this big push now from somebody feed Phil. Yeah, which yeah. Is a show on Netflix. Uh, yeah. And you was it last year when you got on the Texas Monthly? That was twenty one. Okay. For Texas Monthly, twenty two. Somebody feed Phil. Who knows what's gonna happen in twenty three? But so you're like you're. Uh, there was what was the other video? I said? Didn't Eater do a video? Eater did a really big video. It came out uh, like April of 2020. Um, so yeah, yeah. So like, got a bunch of press yeah. at the on the onset, but you like kept it going, right? And yeah, getting bigger and building. Uh, yeah, that specific video has like a few million views. Yeah, that's I went back and looked at that after. Yeah, uh, you guys had come up and like been fishing, man, and I was like, oh shit. Uh, that's like man i made gumbo one time at this rad lady named rosemary came and hunted for the weekend she was like super super cool and uh you know i do like a lot of or often i'll do like you know dirty rice or gumbo or you know just kind of lower arkansas louisiana type stuff right yes uh and so i've been doing that stuff like the whole time and uh at the end of the at the end of the hunt, she's like, oh, hey, I wanted to give you something. And she, like, pulled out some jars of a Tabasco sauce, like, chili starter. Whoa. And I was like, oh, that's nice. Uh, you know, that was a nice nice gesture or whatever. And then she's like, and uh, then here's a bottle 
of this aged Tabasco. I mean, honestly, I thought she had like stopped at a gift shop or something. Yeah, yeah. And she was like, and that one still has Daddy's signature on it, right? Whoa. And she's like, <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> her last name is on the bottle of Tabasco. Holy and I'm like, oh, dude, I've been cooking. <laughs> I've been feeding you gumbo and dirty rice and stuff. I'm like, oh, man, it. It messed me up. You're just like, try this other hot sauce. <laughs> Dude. Uh, but yeah, man, I've, I've actually had occasion to, just because of hunting and, and being outside and stuff, man, like just meet really cool people that are. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's basically what the whole podcast is about, right? Exactly. Uh, but so, yeah, man, let's circle back to the, I mean, I guess we could do the, we could do like the standard, like, man, how, where did you learn? How did you start barbecue? Right. Cause that, I think that's probably yeah. useful to the conversation. And then I, and then I want to talk about beef cheeks and yep. raccoons. So, okay. So very quickly, I am from Austin. I, uh, ate a lot of barbecue growing up, Salt Lick and Kreitz Market specifically. And then. When I went to college, I went to Florida State. I started cooking in restaurants when I was there. And I, when I graduated, it was 2008. There were no editorial jobs for the English degree that I had. And I, I moved back home to go to culinary school. It was an abbreviated program. It was only about six months. And then I moved to New York City, uh, where the girl I met senior year had moved. She's my wife now. We have a four-year-old daughter. In New York City, I was working at some restaurants, and then I started working at this barbecue place called Hill Country. And then I became the pitmaster there. I moved to Austin in 2012. Uh, back to Austin in 2012. Worked at a place called Friedman's. That's where I met Brad. That's where I met a bunch of other barbecue people from 2012 to 2016. Then we opened Leroy and Lou's in 2017 with my partners, Nathan and Sawyer, and then my wife, Lindsay. Uh, Nathan and Sawyer are industry veterans of a long time. Nathan is a brewing scientist, and Sawyer is like a front of house, just like guru. Um, and yeah, they we have a solid ownership team. We have a lot of really talented people on our team. We have a unique perspective in barbecue, I think. So it really just comes down to local meat made on pits that we built and try to just be be just a little different. And are you, you're using post oak? Post oak, yep. Which is like, that's post oak is a very Texas thing, right? Yeah, I mean, Texas, you know, there's different parts of Texas that use mesquite, that can use like white oak or... Surely pecan. Red oak, pecan, pecan yeah. So... Uh. It can be varied here in Texas, but we like to use post oak. Man, what do you think mesquite is good for? Because mesquite Grilling. imparts a, yeah. like a definite flavor. Yeah, it's an intense flavor. If you kind of if you work within in a certain way, it can be really good on the offset. Valentina's does a very good job. Uh, I like it for grilling, for like an open fire mm -hmm. grill. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, that's just a, that was just a personal <laughs> question. Uh, man, these are some creaky chairs. I know. We're at my, uh, we're at my friend Carly's house. Uh, I don't know where she's at right now, but uh, we've turned her air conditioner on, and we're sitting at her kitchen it's table. It's nice and cool in here now. Dude, yeah, it was, <laughs> I was sweating when I first came in here. I didn't know what was going on. So I've, I've, I've gotten out into 
the field a little yeah, yeah, bit yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. since the last Great time segue, man. that yeah. we were together. Because T- tell me about this. Well, you know, I was kind of talking to you, and we had planned this other like hunt with this guy that we knew. And it was a nil guy, and I had only been like dove hunting before. And you're like, you might want to slow down, do like take it kind of step by step. And I was like, that sounds like really good advice. And so then the things never materialized with the nil guy, but it did kind of naturally grow step by step. I went dove hunting a few more times with uh, my friend Josh from Spoke Hollow mm-hmm. and my friend Davis from Huckleberry. And then Josh also took me and Brad upland hunting with him so quail and uh chucker and um pheasant and uh then we this past january went to my friend's uh ranch near loncitos actually okay and i shot a deer for the first time and broke it all down and just had like you know the full experience um you know made a bunch of sausage with it still have a bunch of ground in my freezer i made uh, diria tacos which were very good um and yeah it was just a it was it was a good experience all around it was what i thought it would always be i got the bug um you know i'm kind of ready to do some more hunting what did you man what did you think about is that is that like the first like big critter you killed yes yes like what it what so like what did it uh you know i think when when you when you i mean it was to hunting it's like it wasn't anything about it difficult it was over corn you know i kind of sighted this rifle with uh uh you know my with 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 the guy who was there with us um and i shot really well and then we went out on the little Mm four-wheeler dropped some corn and kind of picked one out and had a good line of sight had a good shot right through the shoulder um it it was all i don't know it was like a drew it up kind of it was it was it was kind of easy to like make it happen yeah um it was a powerful moment obviously when you walk up to that still warm and bleeding animal um and then having to like pull it out of the woods is a whole nother you know you don't you don't think about that in the lead up to it um and then my other friend who i kind of grew up with who uh it's like her and um like her husband's family's ranch she got an axis i got a white tail um and so i broke both of them down um for her I, and kind of or for, for them and gave them a bunch of ground and sausages and stuff too um but it was i don't know it was just a great experience loved it the food's still great we're still eating a bunch of it i never nobody ever told me how waxy that fat is oh, and dude, how have you difficult been, have you been it is. Tala? No, well, to just like, because I told you I made those Diria tacos and I like trying to put enough fat in oh, there, but like yeah, yeah, no, man. on pans and stuff, you just kind of scrub and scrub and scrub, and the fat is just like stuck when they get on when there. they gets cold. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I was talking to I was talking to a, a guy. I don't know, he was probably a teenager or something, but he was saying, "Man, I got all this deer tallow that I like rendered down. What do you think I should do with it?" I was like, man, rub it on your boots. Or, yeah. <laughs> you know, put on your gloves. I mean, like, I'm being legit. Like, use it yeah. for that. Make candles with it. Make soap with it. Uh, bear grease is phenomenal, right? Pig yeah. fat's phenomenal. Yeah. 
Uh, hell, I just duck fat. I just had duck a guy fat. tell me alligator fat and iguana fat was really good. But hmm. yeah, deer fat is it's just like tallowy, waxy. Yeah, you get in your mouth, it just coats your mouth. Yeah, it messes up your meal. You know, like. Uh, but yeah, man, like that's a. I'm surprised no one told you that, but yeah, that's a lesson you gotta learn, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, it's uh I'm glad that you're getting more involved with it. You know, like even if it's even if it never became more than like a novelty for you, like yeah. I think that everybody should have to go through that process, right? Yeah. Uh now yeah, I would say that like what you've described so far is, is still pretty sounds pretty clinical to me. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so pretty like, tame. Yeah, man. It's uh and like and it's still hunting's, very, hunting's different yeah. in Texas too than other places. Yeah. Uh and the way the land is managed. But uh Yeah, no, I'm not yucking your yum, dude. I'm 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 down that you're getting into it, man, because it's uh like, dude, look, if, if all you ever did was, like, once a year, you went out and repeated that scenario, mm-hmm. right, and did not eat the tallow, right? Like, I've said this a million times. That's exponentially more honest yeah. than even you going and getting pigs from Loncito's Ranch, right? Right, right. Because, like, you didn't, you didn't, like, you didn't have the shit on your hands, right? Yeah. Like, you didn't have the, like, the life's, the blood on your hands metaphorically, right? Yeah. But, like, not yeah. literally. It's the truth. Uh you know, and I'll tell you what else is cool about uh, Texas is that you've got all these non-natives down here, right? That you can like, you can serve in a on a menu in a restaurant, man. Mm-hmm. That would actually be, dude. Well, J- Jesse does it because he has like a, uh, I think, like a supper club workaround thing. You can't just serve it on any like we didn't we don't serve we have well no no you're not serving whitetail but like i thought stuff like like a nil guy you can right like a non-native yeah but if it if it's like harvested right you know like oh yeah i guess you're right like it would still have to go through like yeah uh, it has to go to like usda USDA, or something but uh not if you jesse has some kind of supper club work around that he like serves some of that stuff i think i don't know yeah, I don't know. I don't know what he's. I don't know if he's what he's serving. I know he's. I know he's doing like white bass. He does some white bass stuff up there. Uh, but I'm pretty sure they serve nil guy at Dai Dewey. Yeah, I think they do too. I'm not sure. I mean, like whatever he's doing is totally above board. But yeah, uh, yeah, man. I think. I mean, do you think? Have you have you felt like a desire to like, you know, spend a spend a night out there and, and do it right yeah like, absolutely like i'm still in the you're, yeah you're in the very infancy, first man. steps yeah i mean i want to follow this as far as it can go you man you can do yeah dude especially with you barbecuing man like that's what i'm saying everybody would want you at their lodge man uh and dude there i so i would say like for barbecue right like obviously the stuff the the wild game yeah that's best for it is stuff that has fat that's tasty, right? Yeah, yeah, So yeah. that's everything I just named, right? Bears. It's yeah. made great, like bear hams and bacon. I did some bear bacon. I cured a, this bear heart. and Hell, yeah. Uh, like kind of made a tassel uh, Obviously pigs. You get tons of them down Wild here. Wild pigs. Ducks and geese, right? Uh, but, yeah, man, that coon, 
So why don't you describe the way that because I just I just took your method for doing beef cheeks. Yeah. And I'm doing raccoons Different like that, raccoon. and it works great, man. Yeah. So we the beef cheeks we just trim them really simply. Just try to isolate a big muscle, heavy pepper rub because it's a piece of beef and it's Texas, and smoke it for about four hours and then comfy it in beef fat for about another four hours till they're not quite shred apart that's how we cook our barbacoa but the beef cheeks will be like sliceable the idea is like with a properly cooked brisket it's like sliceable it's not overcooked to the point of being chopped up and that's the same thing with the beef cheek but if you've done that with raccoon what kind of uh fat do you comfy it in or do you braise it uh so, yeah, I guess I'm not doing purely your method, man. So I'm doing, like, kind of 50-50 fat. And, yeah. And, like, a, some sort of – man, I've usually got tons of, like, duck stock floating. Aromatics. So, and yeah, yeah. Yeah, just throw that in there, man, and then a bunch of whatever fat I've got. So Yeah. It's not bare because, like, that stuff's so precious to me, mm-hmm. man. But, uh, uh, yeah, dude, I ended up I ended, I ended up with the last couple of years just a ton of pig fat, man. Yeah. And rendered that down and did a bunch with it and uh, – this this past year, man, lots of uh, lots of duck fat. Uh, just the birds were, yeah. The birds were as fat as I've ever seen them. Well, like just kind of across the board, man. There was just opportunities to get duck fat off of that. But uh, and then, dude, I do a lot of that same stuff where I'll just I'll save it. Yeah. Uh, like you know whatever's left of that cooking liquid, man. I'll strain it off and put in a two gallon Ziploc and double bag mm-hmm. it and freeze it. And then yes. next time I make greens or I make gumbo or whatever, man, I'm just going to pull that out. Right. Yeah. Cause you know, you already started like, you know, everybody else is starting like at a zero with like water. Right. right but, like right. you're starting at a four already. Right. Yeah. Uh, what was, what was the impetus to start using beef cheeks? Cause that's not a traditional like barbecue yeah. cut. So we always wanted to feature different barbecue cuts, but when we very first, started it was uh south by southwest week which is it is right now as well as we're recording and we hadn't opened yet but we had some events and catering events booked during south by and uh all of them wanted brisket and when we went to go order the brisket our purveyors didn't have it uh because we were you know specifically only trying to source locally we didn't have a bunch a bunch of purveyors yet that we knew so we said, okay, well, what other kind of cuts do you have? And they had some beef cheeks, so we bought those and prepared them similarly to brisket. And didn't serve it as brisket. We told them it was beef cheeks, but they were like, oh, wow, this is even better. And that's what a lot of people say still every day to us. Yeah, the cheek cheek of just about Any every animal. critter is good, yeah. man. Because they're all eating all the time. They're all chewing, and it's like flapping all the time. Man, they're good on catfish, man. Like, you get yeah. big ones, you get those catfish. Fish cheeks are great. Uh, I cut the cheeks out of this elk I killed. Nice. Uh, a year, whenever, two years ago, whenever I killed that elk. Uh, yeah, and, you know, it was also kind of a flex because my buddy I was hunting with, he was like, dude, he's like, I've never seen anybody take the cheeks off one of those, man. Nice. I was like, dude. Gotta you know, be good. You know, I bet they were big, too, right? Man, this was a, this was a, like a, an elk of the year. It was like a calf yeah uh it was an antler antlerless tag uh but so i mean no they weren't huge man they were i don't know yeah racquetball sized uh but i'm sure like on a big bull elk man you yeah i mean you're i don't know if you'd be at cow size but you'd be approaching what's a cow about like a softball size 
cheek? Uh, yeah, it's like a fist. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, is it... Have you seen the... Have you seen the... Uh, and I don't just mean like with inflation, but have you seen the... Like the value of that cut go up over the years? Absolutely. Yes, definitely. And also, you know, th- things like barbacoa are even more popular now too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's like the same cut. So, yeah. Definitely the price has gone up and the demand for it has gone up too. Are you, are you booked out yet for the fall? Uh, no, man. And, uh, I was actually talking to a dude about that uh, when I was driving down here, man. I'm gonna do a couple different things, man. I think we're gonna think we're gonna do some hunts in Texas this year. Yeah. Because uh, we talked about getting like a group of people up there, like a group of chefs up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we can still do that. I want to do that. Yeah, no, it'd be fun, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I could count off like four, or six other like barbecue people specifically who would be down. Uh, man, it would. Uh, I was talking to that dude from Distant Relatives, and then mm-hmm. he Damien. got yeah, and then he got COVID like right when I was. Ah. Well, actually, man, he texted me that he had COVID when I was coming off the mountain with that elk I was just Shit. telling you about. Uh, and yeah, he didn't get to come, dude. But yeah, what they're doing is is real interesting too, man. Uh, so good. And that's like, I mean, just the name kind of tells you Distant Relatives, yeah. right? But it, it's kind of like examining the that African culinary diaspora, right? Yeah, through Southern food and barbecue. Uh, I haven't been over there to eat yet, man, but everything just looks really like, again, man, it's fantastic. Just thought about. Yes. Everything is considered. Yeah. And that, you know, that's really a problem. There's a, I'd say it goes, uh, to two extremes with like wild game, right? Mm-hmm. There's a complete lack of consideration, right? And it's, I mean, I'm going to speak for myself. I was trying to say how to like, I was trying to figure out how to present this yeah. <laughs> belief of mine, right? I'm speaking for myself, right? It's difficult for me to imagine giving, like, uh, getting an animal, a bear or a deer or an elk or something, and then dropping it off with somebody and then them cutting it up and grinding it up and mixing it up and making my sausage. I feel stuff, the right? exact same way. Uh, that's part of why I want to do it. That's part of why I want to hunt is so I can break the animal down and cook well, I mean, it all. Well, just from for beginning to end, you're so invested in the process of like getting to that point, right? Like the process stuff doesn't end, right? Yeah. But I think we either go one side where it's just like, oh man, I just drop them off and get the whole thing made in a, in a snack sausage sticks, or right? whatever, yeah. Or we make it way too precious, right? And there's yeah. There's a lot of this, you know, the pictures are like this dark, oversaturated thing. Yeah. Like, And I've played, I've tried to play in those waters a little bit, and it just, I'm not any good at it. But, uh, you know, there's just too much, there's too much shit, right? There's all these processes, and it's, you're not letting this thing be what it is, right? Yeah. Like, and you could, you could. You're doing this extensive process to it, right? And part of it is you're trying to flex with, like, you know, unusual ingredients, right? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, in my mind, I just think of people talking about Asian flavors. And, uh, you know, it's like overly sweet. 
uh, you know, oyster sauce or whatever, right? Right. Uh, or, like, it gets too frou-frou and, you know, like, I've seen, like, microgreens and stuff kind of popping up a little bit lately. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, man, to me, the sweet spot is, like, it's... It's in the middle and then mm-hmm. and then up a notch, right? Yeah. Like you don't want to be the mean, right? But like, it, it's not about making something that's palatable for everybody. It's about, and this is this is a kind of a frou frou description, man. But it's it's about trying to hit a wavelength that is like kind yes. of that uh, hits a lot of lot of different people, right? We talk about the Venn diagram a lot. That's just like barbecue and then like something else, right? And then whatever is in the middle is what we want to do because it has to be attached to mm-hmm. what we do and then it has to be kind of attached to this other thing that we're reaching for. If it's like, you know, barbecue and Mexican food, then kind of that beef cheek, barbacoa, hit that, you know, smoking both of those really kind of hits that thing like right in the middle. Or if it's like kind of barbecue and like German food where a lot of the kind of central Texas traditions come from. That's where our like braised cabbage and sausage dish comes from. Mm -hmm. And so we try to incorporate those all throughout the menu, but just have something that's just a little bit familiar and a little bit unfamiliar. Yeah. 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 Cause the familiar part brings you in. Right. And like, let you know, like this is going to be all right. Exactly. But we're gonna take on a little bit of a ride, right? Yeah. Or if you do, if you do come up with something completely weird and different, like if you call it something semi-familiar, if you come up with a name that people are like, "Oh wow, interested," uh, then they'll, then they'll like eat it up. Like I remember yeah. we were trying to, you know, we we make the, all these beef cheeks and we trim so much scrap from them, and the beef cheeks are the thing that are we're most known for um but they produce a lot of it's not really waste we make it into our barbacoa but it is shredded beef and it's the least desirable thing on our menu according to our guests it is really good um but we just have to find ways to like use it and put it into stuff and just like figure out ways to the barbacoa yeah so this one dish we came up with was just like a bunch of that ground kind of meat scraps and we just cooked it up with like some frozen corn that we had in the freezer and some other flavors and just made it a little spicy uh and we put it over rice uh and we just called it boom boom rice and people were like oh tell me about the boom boom rice like what We were just like, you know, you just come up with something, I don't know, weird and funky and just like if you call it something weird, then some like some people will just get into it. Yeah. Or you make it uh, what you do, man, is you you can take the scare out of it, too. Yeah. When I was I had this I was cooking in this bar and like really like pushing some stuff. Well, not occasionally I was I was pushing stuff. Uh and but like I was in there like cooking a cooking pigs heads down right and yeah and making head cheese yeah right and I'm trying to figure out how to sell head cheese sandwiches to yeah these cats man and uh you know I mean just like simple like on grilled bread and like sweet pickles and like mustard and yeah arugula or something and so I just called them uh I called them fancy spam sandwiches yeah 
And people would buy them. Love that fancy spam, dude. Yeah, man. That's, so a, good. that's a fancy spam, man. <laughs> you know, but if I call it hog's head cheese or souse or something, they wouldn't want yeah, to touch no. it. They're like, what's the souse? Well, it's every part of the head, including the nose. <laughs> Do you, uh, man, you ever mess with making scrapple? I haven't uh, to any success. Like, I've taken our, like, the way that we make the hash is, like, we put all the hash meat, those little pieces of yep. delicious, and then we put it in the um, stock. And then at that point, I kind of, like, I've stopped myself, and I was like, oh, wait a minute. I can just kind of just make, like, scrapple if I put a bunch of cornmeal in here right now. So I did that one time on a batch, and then it just didn't set right. Um, so, no, I haven't done it really. I haven't really gone down the rabbit hole with it, but I've thought about it. Yeah, man. I bet it would. I mean, I've done kind of similar stuff, like mess yeah. with it. I mean, look, dude, you mix it together and you know put it on a griddle, man. Like, it's good. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, man, I think that could be. I mean, I think it could be. I mean, it's essentially a tamale. Right? Yeah, kind of. You know, I mean, basic same ingredients, right? If you Pretty use much. grits, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you could do some. I think you could do some dope stuff with that, man. I I really want to. Like, I'll tell you what doesn't get used on like a deer, man, is the head. Like all these does that are getting killed, man. Like, you could totally just. Now, people boil yeah. skulls down to make euro amounts, man, but yeah. you could literally take all that stuff and make scrapple or make it like a cool hash. Yeah, uh, or that's that's what traditional South Texas barbacoa yeah. is. It's beef head. It includes the tongue and the cheeks. That's mostly what the meatier parts of it are, but it's also like the piece behind the eyes and the soft palate on the roof of the mouth and like everything, dude. They chop up the ojos. It's the eyes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, you, yeah, I think it would totally work, man. You'd have to do probably several to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or, man, like an elk head or something. Or, yeah. I mean, I'll tell you what I thought about was doing it with a bear head. That'd be so cool. Uh, I mean, and, and the reason I didn't is because I wanted the skull. Right? Yeah. Uh, which, I don't know, man. That's probably becoming less of a concern now that I've gotten a couple of them. Yeah. But, uh, dude, yeah, that could be. But, I, man, I just feel good about uh, any time you can take all that leftover stuff, right? Yes, and make something uh, good. Dude, and, like, with ducks, too, I like taking the carcasses, right? Oh, yeah. So, like, I break them down, I get the breast off of them, right? And I get the legs and the thighs off of them, and I get the giblets out. And then you got this, you know, like, kind of small thing. You kind of crush it, break it down, or whatever. Yep. And I just keep throwing them in the pots, dude. Yep. And depending on how much time you have Duck and your so inclination, dude, it's great. And you have all that, all that skin in there and stuff. Yeah. If you'll sit there and like pick it all out, mm-hmm. right? Especially with that skin in there that's been rendered, yeah. right? So we're like part of the way to cracklings already. Yeah. You can, but I mean, you do have to sit there and you're like you're picking out Pick through little it. bones, right? Yeah, like little rib bones and all that stuff. But you can get, you know, a little pile cup, of meat. Oh man, you yeah, a couple cups, man, and throw that on a griddle and crisp it up and let that mm-hmm. skin get crispy and stuff. It's man, it's beautiful. It's right? good. It's really, really good, man. And like most folks were done with that duck way, way, yeah. way, way before that point. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Uh, 
Hell, dude, I I even thought about. Have you seen like those old style? Uh, I associate them with France, but like and a lot of times they're really ornate. But like duck presses. Yes. Yes. Yeah, man. I uh, I want one of those. I don't want an ornate one. I want. I want yeah. one that's like I want ri- the chud version of it. Yeah, 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 like- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want the chud version of it. Yeah, just like super utilitarian. You could probably just put in a sausage stuffer. Yeah, yeah, I think you probably could, man. If now, my sausage stuffer like that. Well, it's got extra of- torque to it, and like, I mean, yeah. you, I mean, this is the duck press has like because you will press it and it'll stay. The sausage yeah, stuffer yeah. will like you sure, gotta keep giving back. it. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I think just. Like even taking all those bones, yeah, and putting that oh, in there yeah. and then crushing and the, just squeezing the essence out of that man, yeah. like that would. Well, if you dry out the bones and then crush them up, then you just like sprinkle them in your garden, just like perlite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Keep the cats away, right? Yeah. Wait, is that bone meal? Doesn't bone meal keep something away? I think so. Yeah, I, don't I know. always thought it was just like a like a physical piece of something to kind of break up soil. Oh, I mean that that makes as much sense as what I'm talking about. I thought I thought I was keeping catch with. <laughs> uh, man, so like, what's what's next for Leroy and Lewis, right? Uh, you know, hopefully a building. Um, I don't know when you're going to put this out, but we'll see if that'll be in the works here. Um, I'm working on a cookbook. Oh, are you really? Yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah, very excited about that. Really, it's going to be different than ever, any other kind of barbecue cookbook. So that's good. You doing it yourself, or you got a publisher and all that stuff? I have a uh, co-writer, and we are working on the proposal, and hopefully we'll sell it sometime soon over the summer. Uh, I bet you're, you're hot enough. I bet you do it, man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll, yeah I think it'll, it'll be go down. Uh, I'm excited about it. I mean, do you think you're going to be in a, like, real real talk, you think you're going to be in, like, some talk shows and stuff, like some daytime television? I don't know. Like I don't a, know about like that. Regis and Kathy? Is that even a show anymore? Uh, Regis is gone, isn't he? I don't know. I don't know, man. I mean, if they, sure, if they're interested, yeah, yeah. I'll take a little trip to New York. Why not? Man, I'm going to. Today's show. I'm going to make that prediction. I bet you in. Two years, you're on like Good Morning America. <laughs> talking, and they're like, "What That'd is this? Sweet. This is hash. <laughs> hash. I thought that was, I thought that was marijuana." <laughs> cool. Well, uh, Carly, the owner of this home, just came home, so it seems yeah, like yeah. A, it seems like a good time to wrap up this podcast. But, uh, dude, like on on the real, man. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the barbecue inspiration, dude. It's it's. It's led to some good meals, yeah. man. Well, thank you for the, in the same way, the outdoors inspiration, the hunting inspiration. Um, the trip that we took up there to cap, to, to fish with you was uh, definitely inspirational. It was, I mean, I still remember all the food you cooked for us. Oh, that's cool, man. uh, It was awesome. That that was like a really fun time, man. It was a great time. That was like, you guys came up and Jesse came up, man, and it's... uh, those are both i was just like man this is like the most fun ever dude and you know like two is like weather was red yeah uh we were like wearing fish out like yeah i'm telling you man them fishing trips get they're not quite as fun when you're not catching all those fish i know (laughs) (laughs) it it helps keep the skunk out of the boat but uh so Leroy and lewis is down here in yeah uh 
in Austin, Texas. Tell yeah. them where you're located at. So 121 Pickle Road, South Austin, Texas, just off of South Congress. If you want to follow us, Instagram, at Leroy and Lewis. If you want to check us out on YouTube, we post two YouTube videos every week, just kind of behind the scenes. Uh, if you want to see more content from us, Patreon is where you would find that. We have multiple tiers of subscription. Uh, if you want to follow me, at Evan Leroy BBQ on Instagram. Uh, you got any barbecue schools coming up? Mm, we just did two. We will have uh, two more probably in like August or September. That's usually when we we try to do one when it's at the end of the cold season, so mm-hmm. like February, and then at the end of the hot season, like August. Those things are in demand too, man. These yeah. Barbecue schools. It's a lot of fun. It, it's about, you know, usually 15 to 25 guys and girls, and... We cook like our whole all the meats on our menu. We break down a hog. We trim briskets. We trim cheeks. We make sausage from scratch. It's a full three days. It's not full three days. Friday night meet and greet. Saturday cook all day. Sunday we kind of like break everything down and and um, like carve everything and pick the hog and make this big tray. Uh, it's me and Brad Chud's Barbecues there the whole time. So yeah, it's our whole staff too. It's great. It's a lot of fun. It's a great weekend. You Man. should come down for one. You should come down for that one. When is, you said when? August, September? August or September. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we always we have uh, like a panel and guests, too. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, so, yeah, you're officially invited. Oh, cool, dude. Yeah. One. No, hey, I'd, look, <laughs> I'd, I'd, be, uh, I'd be privileged to learn, man. Maybe I'll maybe we'll just try to get you and Jesse on the on the same panel then. Yeah, dude. Tell Jesse to come on with it, man. Yeah. Uh, no, that that i'm all about that dude i've i've dude i've thought <laughs> i'm trying to wrap this up but i've thought before i've been like calling me like hey man can i just come and stodge in your commissary for a yes, week please do we have actually a lot of people do that really yeah we've actually started to going back to the patreon we've started we had so many people do it for years and years we started to try to monetize it now so if you it's a perk of one of our uh patreon tiers is that you can go sign up for this patreon tier thirty dollars a month and i can schedule you to come work with us for a few days however you you know long you would like um to see how we cook barbecue check out the business a lot of people are like oh i'm opening a barbecue place in this spot and i just want to See how you run the place, basically. Dude, um, it, so you yeah. let them get access to that? That's, that's, dude, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, we are a little bit more careful with people who are like in Texas. Sure, sure. But because uh, <laughs> they like direct competition yeah. on the list. But, you know, everybody else, if, if our goal is to be influential in the style of barbecue that we cook, mm-hmm. then that is like a huge step in doing that. And they come back to serve us in different ways. Like one of, uh, you know, people have been investors in different projects that we've done uh, that have come and, and um, you know, staged with us. The first barbecue classes that I ever did kind of between different jobs before we opened up the food truck introduced me to some people that I still know in the industry for years and years. Um, so creating these relationships reinforcing that community that's what you know all that is about that's what the barbecue schools are about too so yeah dude that's that's really really cool man yeah do you think you ever have any like slugworths 
Like, like someone that's coming in there <laughs> stealing your secrets. You know what? I mean, I don't care. Uh, and this is why, you know, when people are also just like, why do you put everything out there? Uh, that just like challenges us to do more. You know, if people copy us, then that's good because first of all, they're not probably not going to make it as good as we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that also, yeah, challenges us to come up with new stuff. Yeah, man. It's a, uh bold strategy and it seems to be paying off yeah. uh, but Evan Leroy of Leroy and Lewis and Mama Fried thank you so much dude really appreciate it thanks for having me hey folks thank you so much for listening all the way through the Black Duck Revival podcast as always it's produced by me Jonathan Wilkins and Brian Sachs You can follow me and see what I'm up to by checking me out on my Instagram account. That's Black Duck Revival. Uh, That's the only handle. You could also check out the website, blackduckrevival.com. Please, if you're listening to this podcast, help it grow. uh, I I assure you that this podcast is growing. Uh, Sometimes it seems like it's not quite as fast as uh, I would hope for or wish, but then I look at uh, the content that's being created here, right? Like the... It's just plainly put the conversations I'm having I'm having uh, and the folks that I'm having them with uh, man I feel so lucky and I'm so appreciative that those of you that are enjoying this podcast listen uh, so please tell somebody you think might enjoy it as well so we can help the podcast to grow we've got uh, I've got a ton of traveling coming up in the next two months I'm in Texas right now hunting turkeys and we'll get some podcasts going with that as well Uh, And then I'll be all over the Western United States uh, hunting turkeys and hanging out with friends and some really brilliant folks and hopefully getting a black bear as well. So uh, leave a review, five stars, tell everybody why you love it. And uh, I appreciate you so much. Uh, Thanks to our sponsors. And we'll see you next time.